0: And I'm thinking of men right now. Is there anyone in their 80s? If you're in your 80s, will you raise your hand? Okay, okay, Herm, you're not in your 80s. Mike, you're not in your... Okay, how many of you feel like you're in your 80s? Okay, there's more hands that go up. Okay, Gordon, you're in your 90s. So Um, our main characters take place probably in their late teens or 20s and then late 80s. Daniel is in his late 80s. I I want to give two books out this morning to a young man, probably under 20, teen. It's called Thoughts for Men, J.C. Ryle. This is an awesome little book. It's only 70 pages. And if if this would, like, make it penetrate your heart, I'd give you 20 bucks to read this book. I think it's that value. Now I get all these hands raised. Um. (laughs) But, but it doesn't really work that way. I can't bribe you. And and I have, this. I, I just, if one of you young men, maybe you'll listen to this message and you want to come up to me and say, I'd like to read that book. Can I have it? I'll give it to you. And if more than one come up, I'll get I'll order more. Uh, J.I. Packer wrote, Finishing Our Course with Joy, Guidance from God for Aging, uh, Engaging with Our Aging. Uh and This is a phenomenal little book of 60 pages. It is so rich. Um, about finishing your course in life with joy. Not wasting your life in your older age, but saying, I want I wanna with, to, with my eye on the goal, not waste and coast in these last years, but I, I want to finish it with joy. I think of that because Daniel was in his 80s, and he faces probably his greatest trial of faith. Wow. So talk to me after the service. Daniel chapter 3, Daniel chapter 6. Before we do that, I want you to listen to these verses. They're familiar. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it, that's faith, the people of old received their condemnation, Commendation, so a praise. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, rather choosing to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered reproach with Christ greater riches than Egypt because he was looking to the reward. Listen here. This is at the end of Hebrews 11. For time will fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, the mighty Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms enforce justice obtain promise promises stopped the mouths of lions quenched the power of fire escaped the edge of sword were made strong out of weakness became mighty in war put foreign armies to flight did you hear that stopped the mouths of lions Quench the power of fire, and that brings us to the book of Daniel, Daniel's chapter three and six. And we're in ancient Babylon now. Chapter three takes us to a place around 600 BC, and chapter six, many decades later. Babylon was about a hundred miles south of the modern, what is now modern Baghdad, in the country of Iraq. The people of Israel and Judah were rebellious. They were God's people, but they turned from God. And God, as he had promised, was going to discipline them. He sends the nation of Judah on a literal spiritual timeout. For 70 years, they're on timeout in the land of Babylon because of the rebellion. It's called exile. Jerusalem is plundered. The city of David And people are kidnapped and enslaved. And they're sent off to Babylonia. And we read in Daniel 1, 3 through 7. You can turn there, but I'm going to be in 3 in just a minute. Daniel 1, 3. When the king commanded Ashpenaz, his chief eunuch, to bring some of the people of Israel... Both the royal family and the nobility, youths without blemish, of a good appearance and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge and understanding and learning, competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. Among these were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah of the tribe of Judah, And the chief of the eunuchs gave them names. Daniel, he called Belshazzar. Hananiah, he called Shadrach. Mishael, he called Meshach. And Azariah, he called Abednego. (coughs) There's our main characters this morning. We're going to call him Daniel, the Hebrew name, but then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And before we get into this, I want, to po- I want to point you to something that should be in your notes if you have the back outline of the page, the message of Daniel. I'm going to say this every week, and I pray that more than you hearing it so that you could take a quiz and go, I got that. That I and you, we as a people, would so study these truths as we read this book from cover to cover And we see these truths, and they play out in our lives, and we so learn to trust this God. The God of the Bible is the God most high, the God that Brian just prayed to. This God rules and reigns supreme. He's over President Trump, Kim Jong-un, Putin, all the presidents and leaders of the world, but in the past and the present, over all powers, and over peoples of the world. And moreover, this sovereign God rules in the midst of proud and rebellious and wicked people, and he does it all the while, remnant few who faithfully trust God against all human odds. Now, this most high God is always perfectly just, and he will judge. His enemies will ultimately defeat it and his word will always stand. It will be completed. So chapter three, I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to do this morning. We're going to walk through hopefully pretty quickly, but I want us to see Daniel three, the fiery furnace and Daniel six. The lion's den. I mean, they're like, both become modern metaphors in our culture. You don't have to be a Christian. You've never read the Bible to hear, oh, he was in a fiery furnace. And we know what that means. It comes from Daniel 3. And then when we talk about, boy, he's in a, like a lion's den. Daniel 6. So we're going to walk through these three, these two chapters. And then I want to give you three things as we, um, we kind of take away, as we ponder these two chapters. Because they're very Parallel. Let's start with the fiery furnace in chapter three. So King Nebuchadnezzar, here's, I'm going to start it out and then I'm going to read a little bit of this. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he's the king. We learned about him last week when he went insane. God humbled him and he repented of his sin. Well, this, is, this takes place before that. Nebuchadnezzar has makes an image of gold. It's huge, a massive gold image in order to worship. He places it in the plain of Dura he requires all the leaders in fact all the land but all the leaders say traps they're called and prefects and governors all the la- all the lackeys of the king they're all supposed to gather for the dedication of this great idol this great image that they're all supposed to worship furthermore he commands that when a band a bunch of instruments start playing music That's the signal that everyone is to bow down and worship the image of the king that he has set up. And if anyone does not bow and worship, they would be thrown into a fiery furnace as rebellion to the king. So the instruments play the songs. The people, all peoples and nations and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image. But we read that some of the Chaldeans, some of the leaders, they came forward and they accused, it says they accused the Jews. You have made this decree to bow down to the image and when the music plays, but, and if you look with me at verse 12, I'm going to read. But there were certain Jews whom you have appointed, here's the report to the king, Over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're probably in their 20s at this time, maybe late teens. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar got so furious. He commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, it's like he goes, okay, you must have not heard it right. Now, when you hear, here's another chance. Now, if you hear these sounds, all these instruments, you're to fall down and worship the image that I've made. And if you do so well and good... But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and He will deliver us out of your hand, O King. But if not, be it known to you, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you've set up. So Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. He ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fir- fiery furnace. These men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, their other garments. They were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And because the king's order was urgent and the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed those who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, "Uh, did we not cast three bound into the fire? And they answered and said to the king, true, O king, he answered, but I see four men unbound and they're walking in the midst of the fire and they're not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning, fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps and the prefects and the governors and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. Their hair of their heads were not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed and no smell of fire had come upon them. So Nebuchadnezzar, for the rest of this chapter, praises God. He warns the whole kingdom, especially those that are around him, that if they say a word against this unique God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, if they say any word against him, they're going to be torn limb from limb and destroyed. And then these three men were promoted as higher officials in Nebuchadnezzar's government. What a story. I mean, just just think about this. Think of the courage. Think of the the miraculous deliverance that takes place in chapter 3. That's chapter 3, and then I want you to turn to chapter 6. So let's turn to chapter 6. It's probably the most famous story. Probably the one I just read is the second most famous story in the book of Daniel. This is the lion's den story. It runs parallel to chapter 3. In fact, it was probably structured that way. When the writer put this together, he did this in a chiasm. I explained that last week. I'm not going to spend time on that. In order for us to kind of see these parallel stories and learn certain lessons as it actually points us to the central story of God. So in chapter 6, Darius is now the king. Ancient history does not tell us for sure who this king is. But he's of Darius a Mede. He perhaps was actually his other name for Cyrus of Persia. We're not sure, but he was of the per- the, the the Medes and the Persians off the scene. And Daniel is alive. And Daniel is getting really old. He's probably in his 80s. This powerful king over is over Babylon because he destroyed Babylon. And Daniel, is, Daniel as an old man has seen it all and he had been promoted as a great leader. And it describes that he had appointed 120 leaders over all the land and, and then three over all of those leaders. And Daniel is one of them. And in fact, he's about to promote Daniel to be above them all because he stood out among all of the leaders, his integrity, his wisdom. God had blessed Daniel. So... They got really jealous, envious of Daniel's power. These other leaders, they're called satraps. They tried to destroy Daniel, but they couldn't find any dirt on Daniel. It says in verse 4, because Daniel was faithful. The only place they could get a ground of complaint against him, we see in verse 5, is that was in connection to Daniel's law. Daniel's faithful to his law over the king's law. He was too faithful to God's law and it brought a rub to the culture that Daniel was in. Daniel's law, the law of Daniel's God and the law of Daniel's culture might rub against each other and if that's the case Daniel was going to be faithful. So they tricked the king these these leaders they know let's get to his pride. And they get him to make a really stupid decree forbidding anyone to pray or petition any God or any man for 30 days except the king, Darius, because, of course, he's the almighty. And king, let's just make it. Let's let everybody know you're in charge and you're the king. You're the one that provides and you're sovereign in this kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. And so, hey, so can you sign this king? So he signs it, and once he signs it, no one can change it, because, not even the king, because it's the law of the Medes and the Persians, it says in Daniel chapter 6. So let's pick up in verse 10. Will you look with me in chapter 6, verse 10? So when Daniel knew that the document that nobody can pray to any other god or any other person except the king Darius for 30 days... When Daniel knew that that document had been signed, what does he do? He went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and he prayed and he gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God in violation of the document. And they came near and said before the king concerning the injunction, O king, did you not sign an injunction that anyone who makes petition to any god or man within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions? And the king answered and said, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Verse 13. Then they answered and said before the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, He pays no attention to you. O king, and he surely doesn't pay attention to the injunction you've signed, but makes his petition three times a day. Then the king, when he heard these words, was much distressed. He set his mind to deliver Daniel. It means he he loved this guy. He he realized, man, I, I was trapped. I didn't want to do this. I didn't realize it would, he's my, he's my best advisor. He's the one I can, he's the one I always trusted in. He was faithful to me. Why did I do this? And it says that he set his mind to deliver him and he labored till the sun went down to rescue him. Verse 15, then these men came by agreement to the king and said to him, no, O King, that it is of the law of the Medes and the that Persians that no injunction or ordinance that the king establishes can be changed. The king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into a den of lions. The king declared to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords and nothing might be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting No diversions were brought to him, and slept, fled from him. He didn't sleep. Then at break of day, the king arose, went in haste to the den of lions, and he came near to the den where Daniel was. He cried out in a tone of anguish. The king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? And Daniel said to the king, O king, Live forever, but Daniel knows he won't. Daniel's seen kings come and go. There's only one king that will live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the mouths, the lions' mouths, and they've not harmed me, but I was found blameless before him and also before you. O oh, king, I have done no harm. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And the king commanded those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. And they were reached. And before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them and broke all of their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell on the earth, Peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel, for he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed. His dominion shall be to an end. shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I want you to just, I want to bring to you three important pictures regarding faithfulness. Did you see faithfulness in these passages? Did you see faithfulness? Daniel was faithful, and they couldn't get him on any violation except that which was in violation to the law of God. And the first thing I want you to see is faithfulness attacked. You see faithfulness attacked in both these stories. Martin Luther writes, and though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear For God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. Although this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, and surely they are threatening to undo Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, God's people. Do you see faithfulness attacked? You see it being threatening in the passages? And do you see the ones that are threatening? You have the proud kings, Nebuchadnezzar and Darius, both are provoked in their pride. They want to lift themselves up. They want to exalt themselves up and show themselves as the great kings that they are, forgetting that or not realizing that it was God that put them in their place. Nebuchadnezzar will learn that in the coming chapter. And do you see the other attackers of this faithfulness? You see these envious leaders? These hate... Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego aren't bound down. Daniel's praying to another god. They use deception to trick the king. The early church was built by Christians being attacked and accused of many things. They were lied about. They were told that they were incestuous because they they called each other brothers and sisters in Christ. They, Christians in the, were killed because they were considered cannibals, because they ate of the body of Christ in communion. They were, considered, they were killed for being atheistic because they didn't worship other gods, just one God. That's not enough. Christians were lied about and killed. The kingdom of this world is fundamentally against God and his people. And I want us to see this. We, we, we need to stop here. And I, I want to say young men that are sitting in the front rows and scattered throughout and old men and all, ladies of all ages and young people, we live in a world and we can never, we should never underestimate the power of the enemy who wants to attack faithfulness. It is coming and it is coming fast. And it comes from within our own flesh that's not seen so much in this. And it comes from Satan who will attack and provoke. And it comes from the influences of the world. The kingdom of this world that's set up against the kingdom against God. That is the kingdom of rebellion against God. And here we see faithfulness attacked. I mean, read the Gospels and you see Jesus attacked in his faithfulness. It didn't matter that he was the son of God. It didn't matter that he spoke with authority. It didn't matter that he came and he healed the, the sick and helped the poor. And he, he, he was ministering to everybody. They attacked him. They tried to trick him. They tried to manipulate them him. They tried to persecute him and accuse him. And then eventually they killed him. And so we must mark it that God's people who seek to be faithful will face opposition, we will face adverse, adversity, persecution, and attack. And let us not, as a people, be surprised when this happens. Psalm 1, Psalm chapter 2 says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves against, the, and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and His anointed. And and that is speaking prophetically about Jesus. And I would say it means in implication all of those that are in Jesus. The seed of the serpent will always attack the seed of the woman, God's faithful people, until the end. You see that we see, we see the fiery furnace. We see the enemy. Now I want you to see. Secondly, though faithfulness demonstrated—that's what stands out to me in so many ways in this passage. I mean, if you—I if, wish you—you you could have with me just pondered and meditated this week. Maybe some of you did this. Chapter three and chapter six. I encourage you, young men, do this this week. Older men, fathers, do that this week. Ponder. All of us as we engage this culture. Let's let's ponder chapters 3 and chapter 6. And I want you to do it by looking at seeing the faithfulness demonstrated in these two men. Isn't it a beautiful picture? Here's the thing is, here's one one observation. Faithfulness to God seeks to pay attention to the right things and not pay attention to the wrong things. I I noticed as I was reading this, look at chapter 3 verse 12. Notice when the accusers come and they come to the king and they say, King, these men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I underline this in my Bible, they pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods and worship the golden image that you have set up. Then we find the same thing in Daniel chapter 6, verse 13, those, those accusers come to Darius and say to the king, Daniel, who is the one who is, he's, he's one of those exiles from Judah. You know, he might be not very faithful. He's, he came from, he's one of the Jews. He pays no attention to you. I just, I thought that stand out that faithfulness says I am going to pay attention to something far more valuable than the culture around here that would accept me. I'm going to to pay more attention than to my friend's approval. Or I'm going to pay more attention to God than the things that bring me short-term pleasure. Something much more important that will even threaten my life. And that is to serving my God. Now, see the faithfulness of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You could look at verse 16. These three men, in answer to, to, to the king who gives them one more chance. Hey, I, I know you didn't, you didn't bow down, but hey guys, if you, here's a second chance. I'm sure you didn't mean it. Here, go ahead, just, just kind of bow the knee and we'll just get it over and move on. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, they said, we have no need to answer you on this matter. If this is, be so, our God whom we serve we know he's able to deliver from the fire, burning, fiery furnace. Notice, they know the power of God. And they bank on it. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I think that what he means is they, they did not know at the moment whether God was going to deliver them miraculously and they would live in the fiery furnace. Like they, they knew that in some way that God will vindicate them even if they become a martyr and that their deliverer was God. He was mightier, mightier and if he is absolutely able, whether he does or not, I, they're not sure because he says in verse 18, But if not, be it known to you, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. We're not going to do it. Because we worship something that lasts forever. Your, your image is made out of gold. It is eyes but do not see and ears that do not hear. It has hands but it cannot feel and feet that does not walk. All those who see them or worship them or make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. But your trust in the Lord. See the courage. Courage. And and what courage that comes from a faith in this God. A boldness that came from knowing their God. They were not reckless. They had counted the cost. They knew that they might die. And as as one author says, they smilingly washed their hands of the consequences and declared to Nebuchadnezzar and his clan, we would rather obey God than man. But I wonder if these, how did these three men get to that place? They knew their God. Do you know your God? Are you daily putting yourself into a place where you'll know this God and preparing your mind and your heart as you face the temptations at work or at school, young men or young women? As you, face, you face it on social media and you face it in different op- opportunities and temptations bank on it. The enemy wants to swallow you up. And wherever you are, he wants to choke you in your spiritual life. It will attack you. How are you going to prepare yourself to respond? I wonder if Daniel was an example to them in chapter 1 because Daniel and those three guys, they refused to eat the king's meat and remained faithful to God. At At the very beginning of their time in Babylon, and they said, We're going to draw the line. Our God is the God we serve. He is the God of our fathers. He is a God who delivered. And I don't know how they, amidst all the pressures, stayed faithful other than God was faithful, amazingly, to these men. And they clung to their God and said, We're going to serve our God no matter what. I would rather die than sin. Could you say that? I'd rather die than than sin against my God and compromise. My my God has told me that sexual relations is between a man and a woman in marriage. And I will wait. And I will honor her. I I will not give myself to him. I will be faithful because He is my God and He loves me. And even if sometimes I don't like all His orders because they don't make sense to my feelings at the moment, I know whom I believe and He is good and I'm going to trust in Him. We find Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knowing their God enough. They would rather die than sin, just like Joseph with Potiphar's wife and just like Moses who chose to be with the people of Israel rather than the pleasures in the house of Pharaoh. And then we move to Daniel and his faithfulness. It just said he was faithful. They couldn't find anything against him except with regard to his law. And so they know well, Daniel prays all the time to this God. And so, how can we get him? Let's make an injunction for 30 days. So, when he hears the king's edict, what does he do? He does what he always does he prayed. It says he prayed towards Jerusalem because that's where Yahweh was represented in Jerusalem. I think he's making this conscience. This is an aid to him to remember, I'm going to look to the God of Israel, the God of my fathers, the God revealed to me in the, from Moses, this covenant-keeping God I'm putting my trust in. And he prayed regularly and always. It says three times a day. And he prayed with petitions. He's offering up requests to God and thanksgivings. God, thank you for bringing me into this exiled land. Thank you for preserving me. Thank you for being the God that showed yourself mighty in the past. And and Daniel is now probably in his 80s. He remembers all these things. And he's facing this test. He could have gone into a closet this time. He could have said, it's only 30 days. 30 days. He might have thought, he could have done the math. Guys, Jeremiah 25, and Daniel had records of Jeremiah's writings. God told Jeremiah 70 years the people will be in exile. Daniel's doing the math and he's saying, wait a minute, my prison term is up, almost up. If I just kind of keep a good behavior and kind of just stay, stay, keep my nose clean and not cause any stir, then I, I, well, I might go back to Jerusalem with God's people. wouldn't do that. That would be high treason to the king of heaven. The God he trusted and thanked and believed and knew reign forever and is the true deliverer of all times. And so he goes and he prays, I will serve God rather than man. Nebuchadnezzar has come and gone. He knew that. Belshazzar had come and gone for Daniel and he knew that. Darius Darius will come and go, but Daniel reasoned in his mind, but my king endures forever and he reigns forever, world without end. And like I said this, I do not believe that Daniel and the three men were given any special revelation that God was going to mor- from the fiery furnace and deliver them. I think they wholeheartedly trusted in God to the death that whether... God was absolutely able to do it, whether he did it or not, that was for God to choose. But they will not disobey or compromise. So they believed with everything they were, that God was able to deliver them and that he might. They were like the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy who said, God strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed to the Gentiles. So I was rescued, Paul says, from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every, every evil deed and bring me safely to His eternal kingdom. And by the way, Paul was faithful to those words, and his head was cut off by Nero in Rome. And God delivered him. Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent His, and and the God of Daniel, who. Delivers from fiery furnaces and brings lions' mouths shut. So Daniel was taken out of the den. No harm was found on him. These three men, there was no harm found on them. I just I just want to bring this out. Trust in God. Do you see that here? It says here, they trusted in God. Verse Verse 18 28 and we find in Daniel 6, it says Daniel was brought out of the den because he trusted in God. God's people are faithful because they trust in God. They put their trust not in themselves. And how do they trust in God As they come to know him personally. Do you know God personally? And they grow in relationship with him progressively, slowly day by day, morning by morning with God's people on Sunday mornings and during the week and your devotions and with your parents and with your children and with your co- with your church and your small group and so they walked with him obediently knowing your life, their lives are about serving God and not worshiping man. And I want you to lastly see faithfulness deliverance Do you see faithfulness delivered? Uh, These stories are are meant to point us to the one whom we come to know, trust, obey, serve, listen to above all. Do you see the deliverer? If you look especially at chapter 6, this chapter is about deliverance. Nebuchadnezzar says to the three men in chapter 3, Who is the God? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? In his mind, there's nobody gonna deliver you. And God says, Nebuchadnezzar, you wanna you wanna try that? I'll take that bet. And there's four that are staying as he looks into the fire. And chapter Jesus, we find that as he looks into the fiery furnace, he killed his elite guards, throwing them into the fire. He saw a fourth man walking, one like the sons of the gods. Jesus Christ, that could be. It was definitely the presence of God there with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You see, none who put their trust in him will be ashamed. They knew our God is able to deliver, but even if he doesn't, He's our God and He is our refuge and our strength. We will not be put to shame. And though these stories are not, these, these stories are not legendary tales that just e- express to modern believers that if you obey God and st- stay faithful, God will promise to deliver you out of all momentary trials. I'll tell you what, you might be faithful to the end, and you'll be killed for your faith. You may go through trials and the trial may not end like you prayed for it to be delivered. No, the lion's dens, the afflictions of God's people may be really, really long in our lives. But God is faithful. He is about preserving our people who put their trust like Daniel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I want you to see one last thing in the story. Did you notice in Daniel chapter six, I know it's getting late here, but Daniel chapter six, That Dar- did you notice the, the role of Darius? I thought it was really interesting that Darius is frustrated that he got tricked into this scenario. And it said that D- Darius could not overturn his own law and he was really distressed that he could not find a way to deliver Daniel. He's the king and he can't deliver him because he made this law and he couldn't maintain the integrity of the law of the Medes and the Persians and and actually show mercy to Daniel in his mind. And you see, because of mankind's sin and rebellion, there is no way for God to deliver us from the punishment of our sin and the punishment that we so justly deserve because of our rebellion. He cannot just look the other way and say let bygones be bygones because you see he is a just God and his word must always be kept. He is just and he must punish sin. But you see unlike Darius who could not find a way to deliver, God found a way, clearly had a way to deliver mankind from sin and rebellion while also maintaining the integrity of his justice and his law. Because he sent himself in, the, in Jesus Christ to deliver us. You've you got to see even the story of Daniel. And you must see the shadow of a greater story. A man being betrayed by those who knew him. A man having a plot laid against his life. A man who is innocent being condemned to death. A man who is in death sealed by the seal of a ruler not Pilate, but Darius, a man who spends the night in the pit, or another man who spent three nights in the grave, in the tomb, and then because he's innocent, he's raised by the power of God, and in a sense, has no scratch on him. Daniel, like all the Bible, points us to Jesus, a foretaste of our Savior, his he went to the death for us. We could never be faithful like Daniel or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego apart from the faithfulness of our God, delivering God, Jesus, who delivered us from our rebellious, running the other way, choosing the comfort, the pleasures of this world, without the delivering God who delivered us from the lion and the fire because of His love and His justice and mercy. Because God is a faithfully delivering God. And so I pray that we'll celebrate that. I pray that I want to invite you to, if you have not known the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, I call you to accept him. I call you to follow him today, to look to Christ as your Savior. I'm going to invite you to take of communion in just a minute as we celebrate the gospel of our great God. I I want you to, I'm going to, Invite the worship team to come on up and get ready for communion. We're gonna, they're going to play some instruments. But I, I want you to see this in these stories, you see faithfulness attacked, faithfulness demonstrated. And our faithfulness that is demonstrated that's the most important to us is not our, dem, our demonstration of faithfulness, but Jesus' demonstration of faithfulness. Because if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The faithfulness that we cling to is the faithfulness of God's faithfulness to keeping his promise in Jesus Christ. And this meal is our celebration. This week, we are called to go remain, be like these men of faith and, and demonstrate a faithfulness that's put in us by a greater faithfulness that caused our spiritual life of which we're celebrating and remembering and nourishing our faith through this meal. This week, I pray that you will in your work, not compromise, but be faithful. That you this coming school year will be faithful, young people. That you in your social media or at your work or in your relationships with family, you will say, as for me and my house." As for me, I will serve the Lord because he is my God. But how do we do that? We do that by by drinking daily, eating of the nourishing word of God that says, you could never be enough in yourself. And so I gave of myself that you might have life. I delivered myself unto death, Jesus says, that you might be Mine, And so this is a meal that says, people, you're mine through my son. You're mine through the shed blood of Jesus. You're delivered eternally. And you're delivered that you do not li- need to be slaves of this world because I rescued you and I gave myself for you. And so I'm gonna, we're going to take communion this morning. You don't have to be a member of this church, but you do need to be a believer in Jesus Christ, having repented of your sins fully, put your trust in Christ and accepted him as your savior and said, I want to follow him as Lord. And that should be marked by getting baptized. And so if you haven't been baptized, we, ask, we, we, we call you to talk with us and we'd love to baptize you. And then this is a meal for those that are, are confessing believers who want to follow Jesus together. And so we invite you to do that. As we take of bread, we're going to take it, and it symbolizes what Jesus said in that last Supper, "This is my body given for you." And to the wine He gave, "This is my blood that is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins, and it's a mark of my covenant that is for you, and I'll never let you go." And all of this was taken place because at the cost of Jesus' death and the shedding of his blood, we are delivered because he delivered himself up to their hands. And so I'm gonna invite uh, Jason and Jim, if you come up to help serve today, I'm gonna pray and give thanks. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna just stand up and go down the side aisles and come up here and take it and go back to your seats and wait for me. And then I'll I'll lead you in taking taking of communion. Father, thank you for delivering us by giving your son, Jesus. And I pray that we, as we take of this meal, would rejoice in the deliverance that is ours because he delivered himself over for our sake. God, make us a faithful people because you're faithful. Oh God, keep our eyes fixed upon you. In Jesus' name, amen.